off the ball. I don't think Springboks are in crisis because you would hate for a team that is so phenomenally good a year out from the World Cup to be world number one and then to go out in the quarterfinals. Yes, yeah, Stephen, we, we need to subscribe to the rugby stream on the OTB Sports app now. OTB AM with Gillette. Get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. Daniel Harris is ready to go. Good morning to you, Daniel. Hello. Um, thanks for jumping on there when our uh, technical issues kicked in, so um, fair play. Um, listen, we want to um, obviously have a bit of a chat about the match last night and uh, general events as to um, what happens to football now over the next few days. Was there a chance last night that the game didn't go ahead? Do you think did it come close? Uh, I don't know. I mean, they talked about the fact that UEFA decided it should be played because it was just too late to cancel it. You've obviously got people there from San Sebastian. You've come for the game. Uh, but otherwise, uh, it wouldn't have made a lot of sense to cancel the game because, I mean, it just, yeah, it, I mean, I, I don't I don't totally get it. But why, why, why you would cancel the game in that life, life, I feel like generally, like life needs to continue through death. I don't know. Yeah. Does that mean you f- you feel similarly about the games for the next couple of weeks? Um, yeah, yeah. I, I I guess like the kind of like I don't like forced mourning isn't something that particularly agrees with me. If people are going to go to work, then they should be allowed to have things that aren't work. And do I think even if we look at it from this way, do I think the Queen would care if the football went ahead? No, not really. And it feels like for, perhaps society has moved on slightly from from when from when these rules were first discussed. But now, yeah, if, if people are going to work, then they should be allowed their recreation. I think. Yeah, like it. It almost gets overtaken by her wishes would be overtaken by protocol, which is the most sort of royal um, thing possibly of all time. But um, well, the, yeah, I mean that 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 that's that's how this kind of thing works, really, isn't it? Mm. Where, no one is exactly directly answerable for why these things happen because, yeah, there's because it's monarchy, and that's how that's how monarchy works. And like one last point on it, it the, obviously the also the opportunity, and I, I don't mind saying we were saying earlier on that, like from a selfish point of view, we just want to see some football over the next while, and uh, we're a little bit detached from it, of course, over here as well. But the opportunity to use sport in the way that it's been used a lot over, the, particularly over the last few years, to have that sort of outpouring of grief and respect for the head of state that has uh, that has passed. Uh, I, d- I don't know because I feel. People, people respond to these things differently. So I think I'm, I'm, I'm sure that there are people who go to the football who would appreciate it in that aspect. But equally, I'm sure that there are as many people, maybe more, who just would like like the football to continue because it's part of their routine. And I guess for some people, it's hard to treat the death of someone who had nothing to do with them in the way that society feels it needs to treat the death to keep social cohesion going and because and to keep the kind of the imagined community of the nation going because what well, i mean that was that imagined community is a phrase used by benedict anderson where what he talked about was you have these communities of nations and people are feel communal with people that they never meet or never will meet so the notion of the, the existence of the community is imagined and that's the kind of way that the royal family operates and lots of other things operate as well. The politics operates, the lots of national symbolism operates too in that it enables people to feel 
part of something, but then I guess football does that too. And whether or not you feel a particular way about the Queen, um, I don't know whether cancelling the things that people do to feel better about their lives is the best way of marking that historical page turning. Yeah, there's definitely a celebrity culture aspect to that for sure. On much more basic terms, Daniel, did Eric Ten Hag make a mistake with his team selection last night? Uh, I don't think so, in that he needed to give the other players a game. He needed to give the other players who played the chance. I guess you might look at it and think, well, if Bruno and Eriksson played a half each, maybe they should have played the same half. Maybe you just play them both in the first half, take them off whatever happens, because you've got a better chance of building a lead. Because I think what happened was Eriksson helps United control games and Bruno helps United win games. I mean, that's not a perfect distinction, obviously, but it meant that they controlled it quite nicely in the first half when they had Eriksson. But once Bruno came on, they were less able to get him the ball in good areas because Eriksson had gone off. So perhaps he might have done it that way. But I think one thing we saw is why the first 11 is the first 11. Although I would say in parentheses after that, that the players, the fringe players who came in, obviously it's much easier for them if you bring in one or two while the rest of the first team are playing, then you change almost everyone and expect to get a performance out of them because that tends not to happen in general. The the crap player saying, oh, why did you start me with these other crap players? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I think, yeah, I mean, we saw why, for example, Casemiro hasn't featured yet, really. Like, he looked, he looked a, a way off it. He's actually been okay when he's come off the bench, but he looked like there's work to do for him physically and probably mentally as well to adjust to all the new things that are there for him because, yeah, he didn't he didn't play well last night and you can see why Scott McTominay is playing and didn't come on last night because I guess he's the one who in that position Ten Hag is currently happy with. But as for the others, I mean, it's Anthony needed another game, so it's good he got one, he showed some flashes, but the rest of them didn't really stake any kind of claim. Although, again... As you say, like the crap players complaining that they're playing with other crap players does obviously make a difference that Ronaldo's got Anthony Alanga outside him rather than Marcus Rashford or whatever, or Anthony who isn't fit yet. But at the same time, you need those players to step up at some point because you're going to need them in the season. So I understand why Ten Hag picked that team, but some some Europa League groups United have got in the last few seasons and they've basically you've thought, well... It's almost impossible not to qualify from this group. But this one, actually, you, obviously they lost last night. You could easily see a team going to Moldova and getting a draw or getting beat. And then at that point, you only qualify automatically if you win the group. Otherwise, you've got to play a team from the Champions League. So, yeah, you never know. You might get United-Liverpool to for a place in the Europa League in a few, in a few weeks. You mentioned Ronaldo. What was your sense like, uh, in some ways, it was a classic... Neo or latter day Ronaldo performance, whatever you want to describe it, in that like it was a lot of arm throwing and a lot of sort of upset with people around him and not a lot of work. Still could have had two or three goals. Is your sense, uh, I'm sort of reading between what you're saying there, that um, looking at Ronaldo and Maguire and Fred last night, maybe to select those ones, uh, they almost confirmed it seemed like what, what it seems Eric Ten Hag has thought about them. But is your sense that actually there could be life in Ronaldo in a better team? Um, he's been, he's been, I thought he played quite well when he came on against Leicester and I thought he did well when he came on against Arsenal because I think perhaps with Ronaldo now you might, he might be quite useful when opposition teams are tiring because 
He's got a lot of goal scorers now, and he's generally got a lot of footballing now, so he understands where to be. But physically, he struggles against defenders who are quick. I mean, we saw that opportunity. He ended up being offside where he picked up a pass, a back pass and he was able to head for goal. And he knew that he didn't have the pace to mm. beat the last defender. So he had to basically check back inside. And as someone who... <laughs> I can't believe I'm about to do this. About to compare myself to Ronaldo as a footballer. But as someone we're who doesn't have any... We're here for it. <laughs> someone who played centre forward and doesn't have any pace or any, or any change of pace, I knew that if I, was, if I got past the last defender, I had to hit it. Because if you get past the last defender and you don't hit it, you have to start beating them again. And then you're opening up a whole world of trouble because other defenders are coming back and you're getting surrounded. And that was just, it felt almost like he hadn't adjusted to not being quick anymore. Because he, then it happened again in the second half where he had an opportunity where he took a touch and he had to hit it. Because otherwise you haven't got the gas to get away from the defender, whether it's over five yards or in that first yard to half yard. And he has to, I think, adjust his game if he wants to score goals because you just have to get the ball out of your feet and hit it. Another player like that is Harry Kane, who's at his peak, more or less, but he doesn't have acceleration to get away from a quick defender. And what I think when I watch Harry Kane play and when I think about Harry Kane, the thing that I always find most brilliant about him is I would say from 15 to 22 yards, he might be the best finisher I've ever seen. And what he does is he takes a touch or he might not even take a touch. He gets it out of his feet. And he hits it early and before the keeper's able to set himself and he's accurate. And that is how you see Harry Kane score a lot of his goals. And I think one of the reasons he scores so many goals like that is that he doesn't he knows he doesn't have the pace to get away from a quick defender. Cavani last season doesn't have it either. What we see with Cavani, and I, I think I may have come on the show and compared myself to him as well. I was a <laughs> multifaceted player, let me tell you. Um, but what he would do is you see Cavani always try and chip the keeper. And the reason he tried and chip the keeper wasn't for the swag or because it looks cool, although it does. It was because he knew that he didn't have the pace to get away from a quick defender with recovery pace. And though that's an adjustment, I think, that perhaps Ronaldo needs to make. But... Yeah, if you saw him playing with better players, he'd be better. If you saw him playing against more tired defenders, he'd be better as well. But also, Sociedad, they're not mugs. And they, they did a pretty good job. They got lucky with the penalty, fair enough. But they did a pretty good job of shutting United down. Because although United, as we said, played players who haven't been playing much, the players who played, like, they're, not, they're, not, I mean, they're not total donkeys. They're not as good as the first set of players. And Sociedad did a pretty good job, particularly in the second half, of attacking the space and keeping the ball out of their danger areas such that United created almost nothing. And just when you're speaking on Harry Kane there and he's adjusted his game and that's how he's, he's still playing so well and it's working for him. And then Ronaldo at the moment, he hasn't really adjusted his game and you wonder where he fits in. Like, Do you think he'd be OK to be this impact sub? Is he OK with that? Uh, well, he'd be OK with that. Uh, he's going to have to be. Because he's behind at least two players for that centre forward position. But I think Harry Kane, it's not so much whether he's adjusted his game, it's that probably he's always had this. Harry Kane wasn't fast when he was in the youth team or when he was in the, uh, when he was in the reserves or playing. He wouldn't have been the fastest player, so he would have had to have found a way of getting his goals without the pace to get away from defenders. And perhaps with Ronaldo, it's that he, he used to have that. If you put Ronaldo clear one-on-one, the defender was not likely to catch him. And it's actually, with, with Harry Kane, it's probably something that was always the case, so he had to find a solution. Whereas with Ronaldo, it's only actually the case, and he hasn't found the solution. Having to shoot immediately is not a perfect solution, but it's something of which he should be capable because he can shoot well from 20 yards. And it's those, it's those, it's those kind of areas, those sort of mid-distance finishes, where 
where the lack of pace, it has, you have to find a way around the lack of pace. Um, yeah, and as, as with him being an impact sub, that's that's what's on offer. That, unless unless he plays in a way that demands something better, being an impact sub is, is all that's available to him. So if he doesn't, if he can't get used to it, and if he can't make it work, then he's not going to play. But I was actually, as I said, encouraged by how he did against Leicester and how he did against Tottenham of his ability to fulfil that role in the squad. I'm sure that he will get games, probably home games against teams United should beat, where they're sitting back, where there's not a lot of space in behind for him to attack, where then you're looking for his ability to sniff a chance in the box. And that's something that's something you never lose. So I would expect him to play in some of those games. But at the moment, Ten Hag is obviously trying to get the team settled, get some momentum going. So that's one of the reasons he's not changing the team. And I guess another reason is the performance you saw last night. And it's the same reason why Rangnick, when Ole was the manager... He basically had one team, one eleven that he trusted that he could pick, more or less. And the reason is what you saw last night. And then Rangnick came in, and he constantly trying to find a different blend, trying to find a way of not playing Fred and McTominay together in midfield, trying to find the front three that worked. And in the end, he keep coming back to the same players because that didn't work either. Whereas Tenaf has found something that sort of works. It's not it's not perfect yet, but the players are getting better, and it's working at the moment. So. For him to change that is going to require injury, suspension, or someone to seize an opportunity that they're given. And at the moment, that doesn't really look likely. And uh, from Casemiro's point of view, that he gets a bit of a like first start last night, maybe not the glittering players around him that he would like, or maybe that he's used to, gets a free pass and things are going to come good? Or What, what was your thoughts? Uh, no, no one, gets, no one gets a free pass ever. Like you ha- you're there and you have to perform. And he didn't perform last night. But... Um, I wouldn't, in the same way I didn't want to write Ten Hag off after the first two games or write Martinez off after the Brentford game, I know that Casemiro is a good player. We all know that Casemiro is a good player with a great mentality. So while it is possible that he came to United for the money, there's a lot more chance, based on what recent history, that United will make him crap than he'll make them crap. And just quickly to go back to Ronaldo... I think that for him, being sub is actually not bad. If you know that you're going to come on around 60 minutes in every game, then you can focus on that. You can prepare for that. You know that you're going to play and you know that the opposition are tiring and then you've got half an hour to give absolutely everything. And being a sub is an important role, whether it's in extending a lead, defending a lead or trying to win a game. like That to me is, is an important, specific and expert role. And at this stage of his career, playing that role in a team that's starting to win and gathering some momentum should be quite a good thing for Ronaldo. And that should be something... I, know, I mean, I know that these people aren't like that. They're not built like the rest of us. But at some point, that is something that he's going to have to make his peace with or not play. But yeah, Casemiro, I was disappointed in Casemiro last night. I was hoping he was going to play so well that he had to play for United in whenever the next game is. But that turned out not to be the case. Yes, yeah, see, Ronaldo, I understand completely what you're saying, Daniel, that, you know, it's absolutely so important to maybe finish with your your best team, a finisher, someone who can close out the game, and um, to have that impact. But I just don't know, would he accept to be that type of player? That's probably what I'm wondering is, would he be okay to, to be coming off the bench for, for that last 30 minutes, 20 minutes, whatever it is? You'd wonder, as you said, they're, they're built differently, you know, they're highly competitive. Would he be okay with that? Uh, I don't know, but he doesn't have options. Yeah. He thought he did, and it turns out that he didn't. So ultimately, it, 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 he's going to have to make his piece of it because that's all he's yeah. getting. I mean, he may maybe try and find a move in January, but 
there's no particular reason he's getting himself a move in January unless unless Chelsea decide that actually they've got now got a manager that they can force to have him. But again, that seems unlikely that they would want to start that row with a new manager. So I don't actually think that Ronaldo's got an angle. And I also was thinking about that if he, this is something he's prepared to accept because it's the best he's getting, and this isn't something I particularly want, but it might give him a way of staying at United and playing at a decent level next season because I know that it's assumed that Ronaldo is going to leave United next season, but the question will still beg, to where? Who's paying his wages and who wants to invite his ego into their dressing room if he's going to sulk if he's not playing all the time and is going to be of a high enough level for him? So if I was Ronaldo, I'd also have that on my mind that actually, if he wants to carry on playing next season, I'm sure he does, that actually United probably isn't a bad place to be because it looks like they're going forward and it looks like he can find himself a decent role which would not necessarily be available to him at any equivalent club or even the team that are better than United currently. So I don't think anymore it's about what Ronaldo feels. It's about what Ronaldo can get. One very quick one for you, Daniel, before we let you off, just on uh, Ten Hag's satisfaction or otherwise with last night. So a 1-0 defeat. Some of the players that had been sidelined didn't perform as they might have done. But in some ways, would he have been... Like, it gives him good clarity now, almost more clarity. He must be some satisfaction with him today when he sits down where he's like geez, did I make the right call there with that player or is, or is that the, not the right thing at least he has good clarity almost now about who his first maybe 11 to 13 players are yeah I mean uh, yeah I mean he knows you know the first 11 that we've seen the last couple of games is his first 11 the only change that would be um, I guess perhaps Martial might play in, in instead of Rashford uh, but Rashford's doing all right at the moment. And the only other one is, uh, I, I'm sure he wants Casemiro to be in the team instead of McTominay at some point. But we saw last night, it doesn't look like Casemiro is ready for that yet. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's just, as I said, it's the same with the other managers. I mean, it's not. it's been clear who the best players at United are for a while. Um, obviously, the players that he's brought in are excellent and better than the players that they replaced. But otherwise, yeah, we know who the best players are, so I'd expect them to start the league games. The problem he has now is that he's under a little bit of pressure in the Europa League because he does want to stay in that competition and they will need to start winning some games. Um, so I don't know. There's, there's meant to be a game uh, in, in uh, Moldova next week. I will find out if that is actually the case. But yeah, I'm pretty sure Ten Hag knows what, he, what his first team is for the next game, whenever that is, and also what he wants his first team to be in three or four weeks. Good stuff, Daniel. Thanks, Elliot. Ta-ra. OTB. With Gillette, get into your flow with the new Gillette Labs Razor with exfoliating bar. 